Welcome to the Axie Expert. Today, we are speaking with the team at Levicure coming to us from Tel Aviv. They're talking to us about uh, some work they've done, which, um, you know, it's the title of the talk is Type 1 Diabetes Remission and Beta Cell Regeneration, um, induced by oral administration of triple drug combination of the DDP4 inhibitor, PPI, and GABA in nod mice and human patients. So we have Dr. Shmuel Levit. He's the founder and CMO. He's an MD, PhD with over 35 years of clinical practice. He's the head of endocrinology um, and di at uh, Diabetes and Met Metabolism Institute at Suda Medical Centers in Tel Aviv. We have Daniel Koshleve, um, Koshalev, sorry, Daniel. Um, he's the co-founder, CEO, and strategic management director. Uh, and uh, he's the former CEO of Health Ingredients Company. And we also have Mike Teeler, who's a strategic advisor who has a bachelor's in pharmacy and pharma evaluation, and he has a long um, career in pharmaceuticals. And finally, Lucy uh, Koshalova, she's the co-founder and general counsel, and she's going to um, introduce the, the concept. I did want to bring up the fact that uh, Dr. Levitt heads up the Endocrinology and Diabetology Institute at Asuda Medical Centers. And he's also a leading specialist and endocrinologist and expert in the treatment of diabetes in this, um, in this area. So welcome um, the team from uh, Levicure. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear more about what's going on with um, your approach. Thank you so much, Monica, and it's a pleasure to be here. So hello, everyone. Thank you for your time today. My name is Lucy. I'm part of the Levicure team. We're a small startup in Israel that was founded by Professor Shmuel Levit. So Professor is first and foremost a clinician with 35 years of experience treating people with endocrinological disorders. Within his own private medical practice, he was able to establish that a combination of two well-known FDA-approved drugs and a supplement GABA can lead to site one diabetic patients into remission or significantly reduce their insulin demands. So Daniel and I helped Professor Levit set up a company to protect and push his discovery forward. And Mike has joined the Levicure shortly and brought on board his incredible pharma expertise. Thank you, and next slide, please. So uh, you must be wondering what is the combination of these drugs? It is DPP4 inhibitors such as cetagliptin, a proton pump inhibitor, in our case it's omeprazole, and a neurotransmitter GABA that is largely sold as a supplement without prescription over the counter. So the combination of these components is not random, and in 2017 GABA was actually found to induce the conversion of alpha into beta-like cells. The double combinations have extensively been researched for years, and for instance that same year, 2017, the combination of GABA and cetagliptin was shown to promote beta cell regeneration in mouse models, and later on in transplanted human beta cells and streptocin-induced immunodeficient mice as well. So in 2020, it was also discovered that GABA and GLP-1 receptor agonists work together to inhibit the expression of TXNIP in pancreatic beta cells, which promotes beta cell proliferation and reduces apoptosis and damage. So in separate studies for decades, PPI was also extensively researched specifically by Alex Rabinovich and his team, most notably with a combination of DPP-4 inhibitor in 2009. On its own, proton pump inhibitors were repeatedly considered for type 1 diabetes treatment and in 2011 reported to improve glycemic control by increasing gastrin levels and blood in the pancreas. Uh, unfortunately, however, all of these results were made in animal models and cell cultures, and these findings did not successfully translate into humans. 
And here is where Professor Vidit managed to combine these separate three components of extensively researched drugs. And while most discoveries begin with my studies that translate into human data, in our case, Professor Vidit was able to see the effectiveness of the triple combination on 19 of his adult human patients first within his own clinical practice. So the results are really impressive with six patients out of 19 achieving complete remission and getting off insulin. And an overall 60% of the group managed to significantly lower the insulin demands. So in order to secure the patents for the triple therapy, we had to show a proof of concept animal model study. In our case, it was NOD mice from Jackson Labs comparing the triple combination with all the double therapies, including those previously researched and the placebo. So the results corresponded really well with Professor Levit's findings on humans. And based on our observation analysis of the existing research, we were able to form a hypothesis on the mechanism of action, which I'm going to briefly cover in a minute. Uh, I have to say that no additional experiments have been performed yet to support our hypothesis. And we're currently collaborating with Uppsala University and Alex Rabinovich as well to publish our findings and continue the research. And we'll be more than happy to engage in other academic collaborations to further our research uh, on our hypotheses. Thank you. And next slide, please. So on this slide, you can see our patent applications. We have applied for a number of patents that are covering our therapy in different ways, including the neurodegenerative disorders. As of today, we have successfully obtained a patent for the treatment of type 1D in the US and are in the final stages of getting a patent for triple therapy in the EU. Thank you. Next slide, please. So uh, I'm now going to briefly cover our hypotheses on the mechanism of action. As a foundation of our hypothesis, we need to start by addressing that the endocrine cells of the pancreatic islets and the neurons of the central nervous system have many features in common. They express the more genes and cell surface receptors, glutamate receptors and GABA receptors, and most importantly, are capable of releasing neurotransmitters such as GABA. So within the framework of our triple therapy, we are concentrating on glutamate, GABA, and GLP-1 receptors. We believe that there are two key dysfunctions that play an important role in the onset and development of type 1D. Both of them have already been clinically documented. So the first one is significantly elevated glutamate levels, and the second one is overexpression of serum DPP4 enzyme. So elevated glutamate levels are causing beta cell dysfunction and damage and later on apoptosis through overactivation of glutamate receptors and also induction of oxidative stress in the cells and in parallel greatly affect the proliferation and behavior of the immune cells. So the DPP-4 overexpression type 1 diabetes development is problematic through its enzyme cleaving activities of the GOP-1 and also as an activation marker for the immune cells. Thank you. And next slide, please. So in, uh, in this slide, we have tried to show some of the molecular interactions that play part in type 1D as we see it. Uh, and as I already stated, we think the combination of GABA, cetoglitin, and omeprazole seem to safely and effectively target some of the key dysfunctions that could be potentially caused by excessive activation of serum DPP-4 and elevation of glutamate and immune endocrine cells that happen in development and autoimmunity of type 1 diabetes. So glutamate on the side is extremely important as it modulates the secretion of glucagon in the alpha cells and insulin in the beta cells. However, elevated glutamate levels can accelerate the beta cell dysfunction and lead to cell death through excessively activating glutamate receptors and severely affecting the neuroimmune function of the T cells, as is already evident in a variety of autoimmune neurodegenerative conditions, such as multiple sclerosis, for example. So GABA counterbalances glutamate 
has a key role within the islets uh, in the regulation of islet cell function and se secretion of insulin. And beta cells are some of the few cells, including neurons, and interestingly enough, B lymphocytes, that are able to convert uh, glutamate to GABA with the help of GAD enzyme. As you are aware, GAD antibodies are present in type 1 diabetes and in various other neurological disorders and interfere with GABA transmission blocking GABA production in the endocrine cells and neurons and possibly contributing uh, to glutamate-induced acetotoxicity. So as GABA is produced and secreted by the beta cells, it is suppressing glucagon secretion in the alpha cells. And through positive feedback loop, it's also absorbed through GABA-A and GABA-B receptors in the beta cells and has been shown to promote beta cell regeneration and proliferation. It is important to note once again that GABA induces the alpha to beta-like cell conversion, which is extremely important for increasing the beta cell mass during the treatment and restoring the pancreatic function. Also, under the condition of oxidative stress, for example, caused by glutamate elevation, GABA was found to need the GLP-1 receptor to inhibit the TXNIP, which is effectively a glutamate-dependent precursor for glutamate exotoxicity. So the more TXNIP, the more the oxidation stress inside of the cell. This means that we need the GLP-1 receptor for GABA to effectively mediate the oxidation in the beta cell and prevent damage and apoptosis. So the GLP-1 is not surprisingly an agonist for GLP-1 receptor, and it is cleaved by the DPP-4 enzyme. If there is an elevation of DPP-4 and overexpression of it, it will substantially reduce the availability of the GLP-1 uh, that is needed for insulin production and management of glutamate-induced oxidation stress. So the DPP-4 inhibitors inhibit approximately 90% of the DPP-4 activity, leading to at least a two-fold to sometimes three-fold elevation of the GLP-1, and therefore prolonging the stimulation of GLP-1 receptors, uh, activating the key transcription factors uh, for beta cell growth and survival. So in addition to this, cytoglyptin also has anti-inflammatory properties that may be key in addressing type 1 DO2 immunity. For example, inhibition of DPP-4 leads to decreased T-cell activation, proliferation and migration, as well as increased GLP-1-mediated uptake of GABA by immune and endocrine cells alike. So it was recently found that cytoglyptin treatment uh, potently inhibited membrane DPP-4 activity but it did not affect either acidic and protho or cell viability in activated T cells. And this is extremely important because it means providing a narrowly targeted immunomodulatory effect, unlike the general immunosuppressants. So lastly, amaprazole increases uh, endogenous gastrin levels, which stimulates beta cell regeneration and improves glucose tolerance. So the gastrin uh, levels are possibly elevated through activation of gastrin-releasing peptide which is also one of the GLP-1 secretion pathways from the L cells of the intestine. And it has been previously reported that the combination of gastrin with GLP increases the beta cell mass and restores normal glycemia in diabetic mice. Thank you, and next slide. Furthermore, uh, amethazole could simultaneously increase the insulin secretion by inhibiting the VATPase proton pump in the beta cell insulin granules. So VATPase is a major protein expressed in specialized compartments of specific cell types. And in pancreatic cells, VATPase uh, dependent acidification is important for insulin secretion. And it was recently found that VATPase blockade improves insulin secretion in diabetic rats. So this is a brief overview of the mechanism of action we're relying on, and we'll be happy to address 
any questions at the end of this presentation. And for now, um, that you are familiar with our mechanism of action hypotheses, after this brief overview, I'd like to pass over to Professor Levit uh, to cover the human data we have obtained. Thank you very much. That's great, uh, Lucy, thanks so much. And I see that you guys presented this at ATTD as well in February, so that's 2020. So that's <clears throat> very interesting that it's been out there. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from uh, Dr. Levit. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, thank you, Lucy. So this is the clinical trial, uh, pilot uh, trial, uh, which already was reported in, in ATTD in February, 2020 and dedicated to the effect of triple therapy, namely PP, PP, DPP4, PPI, and GABA in type 1 diabetes patients. Please, next slide. So we started on October 2018, all of the files of triple therapy patients in our clinic, there was 56 files of type 1 diabetes patients who were treated with triple therapy. Of them, only 90 patient, 19 patients fulfilled the protocol criteria. So we picked them up and we uh, proceed with these statistics and we uh, compare the relevant metrics of parameters as before and after triple therapy. Next slide, please. In order to confirm that we are dealing with the clear card type one diabetes and uh, given the, uh, our knowledge is that there is no patognomonic sign of type 1 diabetes. This is the complex of signs. So we did develop the, uh, the type 1 probability assessment, which contains these 10 points listed here in this table. And we agreed that the patient who has more, five more points diverse the diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, and this diagnosis is justified. So next slide, please. So it is uh, quite interesting to remark that uh, the average score of our 19 patients was 7.4, but the score of most successful patients who actually uh, stopped their insulin injection further, uh, we are talking about six patients, uh, the average uh, score was even higher, 8.0. Uh, also, the statistical difference, uh, there was no statistical differences because of the small group of the patients. Next slide, please. So we are talking about uh, 13 men and six women. The age of the first visit uh, on the, on the, in our clinic was 48.2 years. Age of uh, diabetes manifestation was 40.7 years and diabetes duration on the start of triple therapy was 90.9 months. So there were patients who with the recent diabetes, but also there were patients with advanced diabetes as well. So observation period in our uh, triple therapy was just a little bit more than one year on average, namely 56 uh, weeks. Next slide, please. As for dynamics of daily insulin dose, or daily insulin demands, we saw and noticed the highly significant reduction of the insulin demands in all our 19 patients. And the reduction was almost 60%, as you see on this graph. The same is true regarding the A1C, which re was reduced simultaneously with the dose reduction of insul insulin by 24%, and the difference was highly significant. 
in order to show that we didn't starve our patients and didn't intervene with any diet diet um, uh, uh, possibilities and uh, facilities and we didn't use any other uh, special especially uh, nutritional interventions we uh, demonstrate here that the bmi of our patients didn't change at all and remained stable throughout the study next slide please so all of our patients received the CGM investigations before and during the study. And the, regarding the time above the range, the hyperglycemia time range, it was also reduced by 24%. The difference was significant. And this is the clear cut um, uh, sign of the successfulness of treatment. The next slide, please. I just want to uh, pay, uh, want you to pay attention that we are talking about the range of 72.40 milligram percent, which is actually the range of the healthy person, and not from 70 to 180, which is agreed it for diabetes patient. So it was a little bit uh, more, uh, it was uh, narrowed and uh, com was compatible with healthy person, as I say. Regarding the timing range, normal glycemia timing range, it was no uh, difference, but it, it, it was the clear-cut propensity to elevation by 10%, but because probably because of small groups of patients, we didn't reach the uh, significance uh, from the statistical point of view. And there was a significant propensity to elevation of hypoglycemia timing range, uh, by the way, it also wasn't uh, different from statistical point of view, but uh, it is worthwhile to say and emphasize that uh, the hypoglycemia was the most desirable side effect of our therapy, actually uh, providing us with the possibility to reduce the insulin doses and uh, reduce the doses until the discontinuation insulin injection in some patients. So this is the table which actually reflects the most successful patients number. These are six patients, as you see in the left column, and the, the lower row is the average. So we are talking about the age of patient, duration of diabetes, and time spent without insulin. You can see that we are talking about mostly the recent, recently ill diabetes patients, only one, actually patient number 18, only one patient had his diabetes for 11 months before he started the triple therapy. The others started the therapy no later than in two months from the beginning of the disease. And the duration of diabetes on average was 3.2 months. The time spent without insulin in all of these patients was almost two years on average. And uh, the right column, you see that um, uh, at the end of the 2020, we all already uh, had the four patients who, who remained without the insulin injection with the very good diabetes control. There were two patients who, who stopped the triple therapy from different reasons, and they unfortunately uh, return to insulin injections. So in order to demonstrate the successful, successfulness of our treatment, these are some uh, CGM investigation of our patients, where again, in, in green, we see the 
normal range of blood sugar from 70 to 140. This is patient number 18 after almost two years of uh, treatment and almost two years free of insulin. He is in a full remission, 95% in range, and it is compatible with the hemoglobin A1C of 5.3. Another patient is in remission for 32 months, again, 99% in range. Uh, the estimated A1C is 5.4. This is patient number four of our study. His remission lasts for three years, and he's 78% in range, and it is compatible with the estimated A1C of 6.0% without insulin for three years, as I previously said. To conclude, this uh, pilot study demonstrates a high efficacy of triple therapy in type 1 diabetes patients. The insulin demand demands were reduced almost by 60% in parallel with highly significant reduction of A1C and without weight loss. Six patients entered a long-term remission and became insulin-free. Those patients who had the tendency to higher type 1 diabetes probability score uh, uh, were most successful and they also had the shorter diabetes duration. The treatment is safe and side effects uh, seems to be mild and rare. And all in all, this study is a proof of our concept. Thank you very much. That's great, thank you very much. Um, and then was Daniel gonna say a few words or would you like to, are we gonna take some questions? Yes, I just wanted to quickly go through the myosin OD trial, which uh, followed the Professor Levitt human experiment, and we'll try to go quite quickly. We had a couple of arms, and the reason for we actually did this experiment was to confirm that it's the three components together that work synergistically, which provide this effect, not the two in placebo-controlled experiment. Uh, so we uh, purchased uh, an OD mice from Jackson Labs. We took the female mice because they have the highest probability of obtaining T1D. Uh, at the start of the experiment, the age of the rodents was 17, 18 weeks. So we started to treat them simultaneously all at once. Number of mice was 51 because we have different arms. We had a prevention group and we had a remission group. So this, we're talking about the experiment with the remission group where all the mice was with the confirmed T1D status at the start of the experiment. We used three drugs uh, as Professor Lee used in his human trials. We used GABA, we used Etabliptin, and we used Amiprazole. All the mice were divided into five groups, the triple combination, all double combinations, and the placebo. The duration of the experiment was 10 weeks. We looked at the major parameters of the type 1 D diagnosis, uh, blood glucose levels, ketones in Europe, body mass, and ketones in blood. We also looked at specific metrics like C-peptide, HbA1c, insulin and glucagon, and we did uh, fluorescent immunogistic chemistry in the end of the experiment. Uh, to confirm the diagnosis of our mice with the type 1D, we set a strict criteria. So it should be two repeated measurements of the blood glucose higher than 13.9 millimol per liter. And for the diabetes remission, we used the similar criteria, but just the opposite. So it should be two repeated measurements of blood glucose below 13.9 millimol per liter, also accompanied by insulin discontinuation. Because we looked at our experiment at severely diabetic mice, and you will see it by the blood glucose levels, we were using continuous insulin, though exogenous insulin treatment for those mice at escalating scale depending on the severity of the disease. 
uh, all the groups, as we said, the, all the mice were divided into five groups. And you can see here that uh, they were divided homogeneously. And uh, the treatment was dosed orally in the morning and in the evening in accordance with the uh, amounts which you can see in this table. Um, so our results very well corresponded to what Professor found in his human trial. The first thing is also the mass. So we didn't start our mice. And you can see that the, all the lines which you can see here, they're nearly the same. And there is no differences between all of the groups during the study in terms of the mice weight. The first major parameter which we are looking here is also median blood glucose levels. And you can see that uh, the orange line, which represents the triple therapy, uh, is uh, different from all the double combinations and the placebo. Uh, it decreases during the study and the significance becomes evident uh, from the week uh, seven. The significance of the difference between blood glucose levels is not only between the ABC and placebo, but between ABC and all of the, all the groups of, the, of our experiment. So the next thing which we wanted to show you is the division of the mice into different uh, groups by the criteria. So you can see here uh, uh, mice in different T1D status or healthy mice. So red represents severely diabetic mice. So it is mice which by our scale were dosed uh, with exogenous insulin injections uh, uh, every day and we call them severe type 1D mice. Uh, yellow represents mice with which we state as mild diabetic mice who doesn't require everyday insulin injections, but their blood glucose levels are significantly elevated. And green represents healthy mice. So if we look at the placebo group, we can see that the uh, red area uh, increases during the experiment, reaching around 80, 70% of all mice, being not just with the status of T1D, but being on daily insulin injections which could be also seen by the accumulative insulin intake, which increases uh, daily and has a, a certain um, reaching 503 insulin unit by the end of the study. Uh, in ABC, it is the opposite picture. So we can see that the red group narrows down to only one mice in the end of the experiment, which uh, obtains any additional insulin injections. And the green group, which uh, represents healthy mice, uh, increases to 55% of all mice in remission, and the amount of insulin injections flattens in the end, and uh, the difference is nearly two, point, two and twofold between the ABC and the placebo. None of the double combinations were able to reproduce these results and provide any significant number of healthy mice during our study. To confirm that uh, this was uh, this blood glucose improvements was to improvements in the uh, beta cells uh, regeneration, so beta cell functions to look at the C-peptide levels. And you can see again that the ABC, the triple combination here is significantly different from the placebo. Uh, and it is the only group which shows the significant difference. And we can see the elevation from the beginning. So the C-peptide level increased tenfold during the study in the triple combination group. The same goes in the insulin and blood plasma. As we remember from previous gra graphs, the triple combination was the group which received the lowest amount of uh, exogenous insulin injections. Uh, but uh, in terms of the analysis of insulin and blood plasma, it showed the biggest results. It also increased tenfold from the beginning. It was the only group to show any significance with the placebo. Last but least, it is insulin glucagon index, which is also significantly different between the placebo for the ABC group, showing that the insulin glucagon balance was restored uh, for the proper you know, 
function of the alpha and beta cells. Uh, finally, we want to show you the fluorescent immunogistic chemistry. Uh, you can see here that uh, insulin is represented by the red, uh, glucagon is represented by the green area, and uh, blue is DAPI. The first mice is healthy mice. You can see a lot of insulin secretion and separate secretion of glucagon. The next mice is severely diabetic mice. Uh, you can see that the insulin is poorly secreted. And now we move to the group of the triple therapy. So the first one, it is the mice which uh, converted from the high diabetes status to medium diabetes status, so not requiring any additional insulin injections. And we think of this group as a conversion uh, intermediate group of alpha into beta cells. And you can see here the area which represents orange. It means that at the same time, the same area produces glucagon and insulin. And on the right, you can see the mice in the remission. You know, which basically have the similar pictures as the healthy mice. In terms of additional statistics, uh, we're going to do some additional relations of the monogistic chemistry. So for now we have these visual representations as additional proof of our hypothesis. So to summarize, in terms of what we have seen in our GMS trial, it's again confirmation that our double combination, triple combination, which we have seen in human trial works. It's only the three together which can provide this unique uh, effect. 55% uh, of animals entered the full remission. We, we think this is also an additional proof of concept of our hypothesis. Uh, and we will be very happy to additionally collaborate with the scientific community to prove our mechanism of action and also to achieve our final, like current goal is to do a placebo-controlled uh, phase three trial. So thank you. Thanks very much, Daniel, and uh, also um, the whole team, you know, for presenting this really innovative and uh, novel approach. It's kind of interesting that these drugs were, you know, have been around for a long time, but it, just in this particular context, they seem to be creating some real progress um, in the treatment of type 1. I had a question for you, and then I'm, I also want to invite others in the room to ask questions. But um, I guess maybe, you know, any of you can answer this, but uh, do you think that your therapy is targeting an endotype? So for example, you know, the, the company Diamid, they uh, created the GAD vaccine and they demonstrated high efficacy in a predefined genetic subgroup of uh, T1D patients in the phase 2B clinical trial. And would, you, uh, would your team hypothesize a predefined genetic subgroup might respond most robustly? So for instance, like the Diamid subgroup was composed of the HLA DR3 DQ2 haplotype, which is really 50% of all T1D patients. So what, it, what is your thought about endotypes and whether or not this therapy might be, you know, really, really helpful for certain endotypes? Uh, thank you, Monica, for an interesting question. I'll attempt to answer it. Uh, I think certainly uh, there is much room for research in this area. And uh, what we have found, obviously, there is clinical evidence that there is a significant dysfunction in terms of the uh, DPP4 serum expression, which is probably caused by some genetic markers that have not been evaluated yet. And I think it's a very exciting way to look at the diagnosis of type 1D and to actually be able to diagnose the disease before it's in full onset. And certainly the therapy uh, that we have here, the triple therapy has been around and has been used to 
you know, in double combinations to kind of target certain aspects of this disease. However, now that we see the effect of the triple combination, it will be exciting to see which markers specifically are targeted. And this is why, as Daniel said, we're really hoping to collaborate with the scientific community and uh, get the support uh, of the labs that are in some brilliant minds uh, in the academia that would be able to pinpoint the exact markers and maybe see the connections that are not evident to us as of today, but maybe become evident in the nearest future that would help to prevent type 1 diabetes from uh, you know, the, its onset, but also to help people with mature type 1 diabetes through perhaps an elevated version of the treatment that we have uh, shown you today. I hope that answers it. Yeah, no, it, it did in, 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 in some uh, ways. Um, but yeah, it does appear that you know, we've had several conversations with scientists really pointing to the fact that endotypes are um, really something to be considered. So, so yeah, probably, probably something for a co uh, conversation when you engage with uh, potential funders and other collaborators. And uh, I wanted to open it up to the audience. I see several people from industry and as well as from academia here. So if you'd like to throw a question in the chat or ask a question yourself, please do so. You can unmute yourself. Hey, thanks so much for a great presentation um, all, to all the team at Levicure. Um, this seems like a very scalable potential solution to type 1. Um, what's, uh, what's next for, for Levicure? What's your, your path forward? Do you have some sort of a Gantt chart for um, the next, next couple of years, next couple of steps? Great question. Unfortunately, I, I don't think I have heard the question. Would you please repeat it again? Because I think I was cut off from the sound. Oh, yes, of course. Um, what's what is next for Levicure? What do you do? You have a Gantt chart or a path forward or or next steps over the next few years? Certainly, I think Daniel can take it away because he he is leading the strategic development yes. of the team. So. So basically, our next step for sure, our main goal for this phase three to the whole world that it works in the way we imagine. So, so our main goal now, which we have, is uh, to finance and conduct a phase three trial, placebo controlled. So this is our main goal, and for sure, our roadmap. Uh, is currently that we're publishing the data which we have uh, obtained with the professor Levit inside his clinics, you know, the energy data, the mechanism of action, and uh, going to the regulators to get uh, additional approval for the trial and get the finance, you know, finance either through, through the VC or through funding or through the grants. So this is currently our status and our main goal is for sure to conduct the phase three trial. Well, that um, that seems very good, like a really uh, a great next step. We'll, we'll look forward for the paper to come out and, um, you know, keep an eye on on your team as you progress. I think it's a uh, it's a very interesting, you know, first set of uh, data. And and um, hopefully those who are listening today uh, can reach out directly to you if they have further questions. So thank you again to Levicure, uh, Daniel, Lucy, and uh, Dr. Levit, and uh, we really wish you the best as you, as you continue to develop these, um, this therapy. Thank you so much, Monica, for having us and for your support. And thank you to everyone who found the time to attend. Uh, it's been a privilege to present to you today. 
And uh, I think we'd all like to thank you again and wish you a wonderful day going ahead. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Thank yes, you. Yes, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks again and have a great rest of your evening in Tel Aviv. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.